It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we had uh, another pretty interesting slate of games tonight certainly not as high scoring as last night's games that was certainly uh and a lot of hands yeah no it was it was an abnormal day yesterday but no uh i believe we had every team in action except for uh two because one game got postponed but other than that, I think we uh, had quite a quite a full day. And, of course, as we have been doing the last few days, we're going to analyze a trade situation right before the trade deadline. Uh, uh, well, I should say as the trade deadline is approaching, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do that at the end of the show. Uh, but, yeah, shall we uh, get right into it? Yeah, let's just get going with the game of the night. Yeah, well, Dodgers and Giants, uh, like you said, game of the night, series of the week, series of the year, however you want to phrase it. And it gets going with Max Muncy with an RBI single in the bottom of the first. It makes it one nothing Dodgers. In the top of the second, Alex Dickerson with a two-run home run his ninth of the year, and it's two to one San Francisco. Lamonte Wade homers in the third. Tyro Estrada homers in the fifth, along with Mike Yastrzemski homering in the fifth, and it's six to one Giants. However, the Dodgers would battle back. Bottom five, they get a home run from Chris Taylor. Bottom six, they get a double from Austin Barnes to make it six three. Chris Taylor then homers again, a two-run home run this time. His 13th year pulls it to six to five. Then in the ninth inning, uh, they bring on Tyler Rogers, the Giants do to try to close it out. He walks Chris Taylor. He walks Matt Beattie. Will Smith pinch hits for the pitcher, and he hits a walk-off jack. Walk off three run home run for Will Smith and the Dodgers come all the way back down uh, six to one at one point and they win eight to six over the Giants. The win goes to Jimmy Scherfe out of the Dodgers bullpen. The loss goes to Tyler Rogers out of the Giants bullpen. And they was behind an Alex Wood, five innings, three earned runs, seven strikeout start. But with this win, that puts the Giants at 59 and 35, the Dodgers at 59 and 37. So now the Dodgers, I believe that would put them one game back 
in the NL West, but certainly this series, uh, just a crazy game here. Now that we're split now in the series 1-1, the two will meet again tomorrow, of course. And uh, yeah, it should be an absolutely good one uh, as they meet tomorrow and then they meet on Thursday as well. So uh, two down, two to go, but we're uh, all knotted up right now. All right, uh, Cubs and Cardinals is the next game. And this one also very entertaining and down to the wire. It starts off with Nico Horner grounding out to make it a one nothing Cubs game in the, in the top of the second. The Cardinals then are able to go on quite the run as they get a Dylan Carlson RBI double in the bottom of the third to tie the game at one. In the fourth, Nolan Arenado homers. Harrison Bader with an RBI single makes it three to one St. Louis. Johan Oviedo pitchers who rake with an RBI single makes it 4-1 St. Louis. And then in the sixth, Tommy Edmond and Jose Rondon, both homer. It's 6-1 Cardinals. In the top of the ninth, the Cardinals call on Luis Garcia first to pitch. After allowing two runners to reach, they call on Alex Reyes, who remember, had just set the MLB record for 24 consecutive saves without allowing a blown save to start his career. And Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Is absolutely right. He walks the bases loaded with the leadoff hitter, then gets Wilson Contreras to strike out. LJ, it's okay, though, because uh, – as long as he doesn't walk in two runs, they'll still be up by five. Well, he walks in two runs, so now they're up by three with one out. Oh, no. That's okay. That's okay. We have a bases loaded one out, up by three runs. Javi Baez steps up. He rips an RB or two RBI single to pull the Cubs within one. Ian Happ then rips a double next batter up. Two more runs score. The Cubs take a 7-6 lead. Reyes blows the save. And the Cardinals, unable to do anything in the bottom half of the inning, the Cubs shock the Cardinals, score six in the top of the ninth, and win 7-6. to six. The win to Dylan Maples out of the Cubs' bullpen. Trevor Williams, five innings, four earned runs. The loss to Alex Reyes, a third of an inning, three earned runs. Behind Johan Oviedo, five hit, five innings, three hits, one earned run for the start. All right. Next up, we will have the A's and the Angels. This one starts scoring in the bottom of the fourth with a Matt Olson deep fly, his 25th of the year, and it's a solo piece. They add two more in the bottom of the sixth and then two more in the bottom of the seventh to go and cruise on to this 6 nothing shutout win over the Los Angeles Angels. Give the win to James Caprillion. Six innings, five hits, shutout ball with seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Jose Suarez, the starter for Los Angeles. He pitches five and two-thirds of an inning, allowing three hits, four earned, and four strikeouts in this game. All right, uh, the Royals and the Brewers, not a lot doing in this one as it gets started with an Andrew Benintendi sack fly in the first, and it's one nothing, Kansas City. Manny Pena takes, uh, gives the Brewers the lead in the second with a two RBI single, and it's two to one Milwaukee. Jorge Soler ties the game up in the fourth with his eighth homer of the year, and we are knotted at two until Ryan O'Hearn in the top of the seventh rips a two-run home run of his own to make it 4-2 to two Kansas City. 
Michael Taylor then with a sack fly in the eighth makes it five to Royals. And that is your final Mike Miner, six innings, one earned run, five Ks. The loss to Hunter Strickland, one and two thirds, two earned runs. Brett Anderson, five innings, two earned runs. And Greg Holland with his sixth save on the season. Next up, we have the Mariners and the Rockies. And we are scoreless till the bottom of the fifth when Connor Joe rips his first homer of the year, a two-run homer, and it's 2-0 Colorado. Cal Raleigh uh, ties the game in the top of the sixth with an RBI double, actually a two-RBI double, and it's knotted at two. Dylan Moore then steps up and rips a two-run home run. Seattle takes a 4-2 to lead. Ty France then doubles in the seventh, another two-run double. It's 6-2 Seattle. A C.J. Crone two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth is not enough to pull the Rockies back in it, and the Mariners win 6-4. to Marco Gonzalez, five innings, two earned runs, three strikeouts, and he gets the win. The loss to Herman Marquez, six innings, four earned runs, and the ninth save on the year to Kendall Graveman. Next up is Orioles-Rays. This game will start with two runs in the bottom of the first, driven in by v- Vidal Brujan and Wander Franco, the two top prospect middle infielders getting some production Early in this game, Pedro Severino hits an RBI single in the top of the second before Randy Rosarena and Francisco Mejia can both go yard their 11th and 4th homers of the year, respectively. It is a 5-1 Tampa lead. In the bottom, top of the eighth, excuse me, Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander both drive in runs to cut this deficit to two, but in that bottom of the inning, Francisco Mejia hits a RBI triple, and then G-Man Choi brings him in as the Rays go on to win this one 9-3. Give the win to Shane McClanahan. Five innings, four hits, one earned, and seven strikeouts. But, of course, the big story of this one, John Means. Returning from the IL after basically blowing his arm out for that no-hitter several feels like an eternity ago. He goes five innings, allowing seven hits, five earned, and two strikeouts. But according to everything I've heard, it sounds like they've corrected the fundamental issues that he has had that would hinder him from playing in the future. Like, he's he's not going to have any other extended IL stints in the future that are expected because of the way he's pitching and getting to t- getting his arm tired out. Well, you would certainly hope so, uh, that there's no more IL stints uh, for arm-related issues. I mean, obviously, for a pitcher, you know, uh, elbow, shoulder, those are the two main ones that you want to avoid any kind of injury with. So, I mean, hopefully there isn't any because uh, he's a really good pitcher. And, you know, he was one of the guys who was certainly using sticky stuff and it's nice to see him come back and you know uh well certainly not pitch a gem I mean he he was pretty uh I for for his first game back I honestly don't think that he pitched terrible five five runs in five innings is not good but uh you have to look at the context of, of this situation here yeah, I don't put I don't put any stock in a bad start coming off of an IL stint. I mean, good good starts, yeah, that's great. He's coming in hot and fresh. However, a lot of guys it takes them a little while to get back in the flow, especially when when did he throw that no hitter? Was that in one of the April no hitters? Uh, it was either like late April or very early May. Either way, this was at least seventy days IL, right? I'm roughly, I'm I'm spitballing. It's been a long, long time since he last pitched. So just being able to get through five innings comfortably is a huge success for the team. 
Well, on to the Marlins and the Nationals. Early on, Victor Robles and Ryan Zimmerman both come up with RBI hits to make it 2 nothing Nats. But in the top of the sixth, Adam Duvall cranks a, his 21st homer of the year and it's a three-run home run to give the Marlins a 3-2 to lead. The Nationals would then take the lead in the sixth. Uh, they get singles from Yadiel Hernandez, Trey Turner, and Juan Soto to make it 5-3. to And then in the bottom of the eighth, Josh Bell homers to make it 6-3 Nationals. That would end up being your final. The win goes to... Kyle Finnegan out of the Nats bullpen. Paulo Espino, five innings, four hits, three Ks, no earned runs uh, as he got the start. Richard Blyer takes the loss, two-thirds of an inning, three earned out of the Miami bullpen. Uh, Trevor Rogers, five innings, two earned runs, uh, for him and Brad Hand with his 20th save on the season. All right, the Pirates and the Diamondbacks is next. And in the top of the fourth, Gregory Polanco with his 10th homer of the year, a two-run homer, and it's 2-0 Pittsburgh. Bottom four, Eduardo Escobar puts Arizona on the board with a double, uh, and it's two to one, Pittsburgh. In the fifth, Ben Gamble hits into a force out, and then John Nagowski with his first home run, a two-run homer to make it five to one, Pittsburgh. Uh, Arizona does end up taking the lead in the seventh inning, they get a slew of RBI singles. Uh, they get actually an RBI triple from Josh Van Meter and then a bunch of RBI singles to extend the lead to a, a 11 to 5. Those coming from Nick Ahmed, Josh Reddick, David Peralta, and Josh Van Meter then rips a double to make it 11 5. The Diamondbacks go on to win 11-6. The win to J.B. Bukowskis. Taylor Widener, four and two-thirds, five earned runs, eight Ks. The loss goes to Austin Davis. The start to Tyler Anderson, six innings, three earned runs. LJ, you had uh, something about John Nagowski. Yes, I do because Pirates Twitter has kind of caught on fire all over John Nagowski over the past couple of days. Of course, you have his run-in with Marcus Stroman the other day, and then you get this home run here, which we need to go by the numbers. For starters, John Nagowski is currently wearing number 69. Nice. Pittsburgh Pirates. Very nice. nice. He hits a home run tonight. Brandon, what at bat do you think that was for him? Number 69. His 69th at bat for the Pirates goes yard and it's and, 387 feet. Oh, very nice. It, 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 it was close enough. I mean, I was really open to get into those 420s with that one, but sadly, he falls just short there. But with that being said, we still get the 69th at bat with a homer. For number 69. Who what's not to love? Uh no, I mean I absolutely love it. And to think that this guy through 66 at bats this season is a, approaching a 400 on base percentage and 837 OPS. John Nagowski is like hey, look, has the run in with, with Marcus Stroman. He just needed to get his name out there. He had to make sure that people knew who he was. It's hard enough for Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, he hitting his 69th or hitting his first home run on his 69th at bat while wearing number 69 is, is pretty nice indeed. Or at least gives them something to talk about other than 
how terrible this team is on that app. <laughs> All right, next up, Tigers Rangers. This one starts in the bottom of the first with Robbie Grossman's 14th disgusting piece of the year. 1-0 Detroit. Andy Abanez hits an RBI double in the top of the fifth to tie this up. But from there, Eric Haas goes yard. Jonathan Scope hits an RBI single. And then the Harold Castro RBI single in the bottom of the sixth pushes this to a 4-1 to one win for the Detroit Tigers. Give the win to Tariq Skubal. He pitches six innings, allowing four hits, one earned, and four strikeouts. The loss will be given to Dane Dunning. Four and two-thirds, four hits, three earned with two strikeouts for him. The save will be given to Gregory Soto, his ninth of the year. Uh, while we are on the Tigers, I thought we should uh, bring up one of our show favorites in Spencer Turnbull. LJ, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you saw what happened to him. I did. Uh, he will be having season-ending Tommy John surgery. Uh, LJ, would you like to re- remind everyone why we are such big fans of Spencer Turnbull? Because after he threw his no-hitter. He after, after Spencer, Spencer Steelio girl Turnbull, after he hit or not hit his no-hitter, through his no-hitter this season, proceeds to officially make public his relationship with the former the former wife of a megachurch priest in a rather bombshell set of news for everyone within that type of community. I don't think it was that much of a bombshell for anyone other than us in the MLB community, but for the megachurch Christians... That was a huge deal, and apparently we know the cost of that now. Steal, steal, steal a godly man's girl, God steals your uh, UCL. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a pretty fair trade-off. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally agree. But uh, just tough to see uh, Spencer Turnbull go down. Of course, he's one of those big uh pitching prospects for the Tigers that have, you know, they're all up in the bigs now. So it was nice to see the little run that they were going on there. But uh, yeah, hopefully a fast recovery for him. And we cannot wait to see him back out on the mound. uh, That's for sure. Well, the Yankees and the Phillies, uh, very important interleague series for the Yankees before they have to play four against Boston and then three against Tampa Bay. And it does not start off well. Reese Hoskins hits his 21st homer of the year in the second inning, and it's one nothing Philadelphia. Estevan Floreal, uh, the Yankees call him up as prior to the game, uh, Yankees have to put Trey Ambergie onto the injured list after he ate the wall the other night. Uh, one of several all, Yankees. All, to eat the all wall. wall eaters go to the IL. <laughs> well, so we call up Trey Ambergie a couple of days ago. We were eating those hamburgers, and then he eats the wall. So certainly oh, not. I bet that hamburger didn't taste too good. No. No, certainly not. So we were in a situation today where we only had one more position player left on our 40 man to call up and had like Estevan Floriel been hurt or not on the taxi squad, we would have had to call up a pitcher and just have run one position player short because we don't have any more healthy players on our 40-man roster to call up. What if, what if the Yankees decided not to call up anybody? They're like, oh, we don't have any other position players. We're just not going to use the roster spot. Oh, that would... And things, things, that, things that you joke about but genuinely could happen right now. And then, LJ, the Yankees end up having to make Brett Gardner, the leadoff hitter tonight. 
pulling a I'm, page out of the Red Sox book by putting your worst hitter first. Uh, the Yankees choose to hit Brett Gardner leadoff. Well, leave him alone. They got they got they got one decision right tonight. You have omitted the fact that Brett Gardner started in left field. Yes, we actually had. Appreciate this. We had Greg Allen start in right, who is naturally a center fielder. And then we had Estevan Floreal start in center, and he's naturally a center fielder. Brett Gardner plays some time in center. So we really had three. Sometime. <laughs> Most time. You have you have this guy who's go, going around with a walker in center field trying to play the position with center natural center fielders on either side of him half the time. Anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. Well, after Esteban Floriel hits into a ground out that scores a run and we're tied in the fourth, Ronald Torres doubles to give the Phillies a two to one lead. In the fifth, Tyler Wade uh, hits a line out to Didi Gregorius. And then uh, he makes a very errant throw that allows Greg Allen to score, and it's tied at two. Brett Gardner then homers in the fifth to make it three to two Yankees. In the sixth, Gary Sanchez goes yard. In the seventh, Giancarlo Stanton goes yard. It's 5-2 Yankees. Uh, Gene Segura singles in the top of the eighth to pull it within two. Esteban Floriel then homers in the bottom of the eighth, his first career MLB home run. Uh, they make it 6-3 Yankees. The Yankees call on Aroldis Chapman for the ninth. He allows a home run to Andrew McCutcheon, but the Yankees are able to hold on and win 6-4. The win to Luis Sessa, he went an inning and a third out of the bullpen. Domingo Herman, four innings, two earned runs. The loss to Aaron Nola, five and a third, four earned runs, five Ks for him. And that's uh, a weird start for him, especially because he had shut down the Yankees earlier in the season. And when he was facing the likes of Rob Brantley, Greg Allen, Tyler Wade, Rugnet Odor, Brett Gardner, uh, surprised that the, this, this uh, Yankees offense showed some sort of life. Aroldis Chapman with his 17th save on the year. But LJ, I mean, Chapman's I'm back. Just gonna read through like the tops. Really, I'm just gonna read through the entire uh, Yankees lineup tonight, and like you have to tell me which hitters you're actually scared of if you're the opposing manager. Um, wait. First off, we have to acknowledge the fact that obviously Aralis Chapman's back. He only got taken warning tracker deeper once tonight. Yeah. No. Uh, we the average is usually two to three. He is absolutely getting there. But as for this here, so leading off Brett Gardner, I think we can both agree not scary whatsoever. No. Stanton hitting second. As long okay. as he didn't go yardy. As long as Gardy didn't go yardy, I should say. Well, he did tonight, so very scary. Well, Stanton hitting second should not or should should scare people. Absolutely. Brunetto Door hitting third. People love to hate on him, but he's like a sneaky 103 OPS plus guy right now. Like very sneaky over 100 OPS plus. So, well, he's not scary whatsoever. He is somewhat productive. So he, he honestly, I think I can make the case with both of the guys you just mentioned that they're scary, even if they aren't scary on paper. Like, like, they're scary enough, is what I mean. First off, you, you say Rufner Odor is either a ground into a double play or an absolute bat flip moonshot. I finally understand exactly what you meant by that when I heard it come off the bat the other day against the Red Sox. Oh, no, he has power, all right. He, that, he has power. That ball sounded like it went it was going to go at least 15 feet farther than it did easily that was one of the loudest home runs of the year but again does not perform in that manner consistently 
the same thing with Stanton. Stanton is not only incredibly streaky, but Brandon, I, I say this trying to go from the position of if I were a Yankees fan, is he the second most frustrating, probably the second worst star this team has had in your lifetime? Because I, I fail to remember a single time in high leverage situations in important games where he has genuinely stepped up. Like they've been few and far between today. A little, a little too, a little too far, few and far. All right. Phillies. All right. Phillies Yankees. I don't think is necessarily the. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. High leverage situation I'm talking about. I mean, I think I think a perfect example is you can agree he was not good in the moment that they definitively were like, yes, we absolutely need you to step up in in that last Red Sox Yankees series. No, he did little to nothing. No, he just he he just hit a cold stretch, but he's still a no, 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 no. I'm just saying it just feels like again you don't have to defend him. I'm just acknowledging my observation with this and that is it seems like in a lot of the big moments the one that is shrinking seems to be Stanton and it's not a knock on his overall ability because when he gets into these hot stretches he is the baddest one of the baddest men in baseball there's no doubt in my mind that's why that's why he scares me because any day he is liable to start a week and a half stretch where he is unbeatable However, I mean, most, a lot of days aren't those days, but it just feels like, you know, you, you mix that in, you look at the playoffs. Didn't he have that whole thing a couple of years ago? Well, the game last, or whatever? Year, last year in the playoffs, he had a home run in like five straight games. No, no, the year before, I mean. What about the year before? I feel like there was something, right? I'm not making this up. I couldn't be making this up. Oh yeah, I mean he was out for like for like most of 2019. No, but mid mid playoffs, didn't he just miss a random random like elimination game or mm. out of one? Yeah, I mean he didn't play much in the Houston series. Then I remember, I I, I, yeah. I vividly remember you you in particular complaining a lot about it at the time, which again is something you can forgive, but it just feels like he finds ways to underwhelm even though his numbers wouldn't show it again, not trying to knock the guy, but it's just a thing I've found. I mean, again, uh, I'm flat out saying it. Like, I don't, I don't want to see him come up to the plate anyway. Ron Gary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gary is, is, is scary. Uh, this year, at least he's, he's hitting the ball. Well, so, I would say that he's at least a threat. Uh, Glaber Torres is one of the worst hitters in the league. Not scary. Rob Brantley next. Uh, absolutely not scary. He This is his first game in the majors this year. Absolutely not scary. Greg Allen is scary. Terrifying. Greg Allen is terrifying. He is Greg, the best Greg hitter Allen. on the team right now. Greg Allen gives me nightmares. Can we have real talk today? Because I think Greg Allen was a huge part of what I noticed here. What is up with these Yankees actually like playing sound baseball? Like, again, we've, we've talked a lot about their approach. However, it's like, as soon as they had to go to this reserve lineup, they immediately became so much more aggressive, so much more high stakes 
so much more, so many more bold moves, particularly on the base path. I mean, granted, they didn't add a lot of speed, but as a whole, I just feel like the philosophy feels different for the past couple games. Am I wrong? I mean, I, w- I, I wouldn't say it's a philosophy thing. It's because the hitting instructors haven't had a chance to completely s- screw over these, these hitters yet. I mean, they haven't been able to implement their dumbass philosophy to Greg Allen. They haven't tried to turn a Greg Allen into a three-true outcomes player. They're letting Greg Allen hit like Greg Allen, which is a slap hitter who is fast and can steal a bunch of bases. That's that's what they're letting him do. And that's what they're letting Estevan Floreal do. That's why when you've seen he's only played three MLB games this this year and has a hit in all three of them. And also, it should it should be noted that Greg Allen uh, already has produced more in war for this team in eight plate appearances than Clint Frazier has in 218 <laughs> by a large margin, by over one whole war, over one war, as Clint Frazier is sitting at a spectacular negative 1.3 on the season uh while greg allen sits at 0.2 uh actually i don't even think that this is counting tonight's stats i'm not sure when when this baseball reference page updates it's usually like mid-morning all right well clint frazier i mean i think that's honestly one of the biggest reasons why we've been winning is because we don't have clint frazier on our team I mean, offensively, the guy is atrocious. Defensively, he is legitimately one of the worst fielders in the league. So when you combine that with, like, another guy in the lineup, like a Glaber Torres, who also can't hit, it seems, it's just not good. And when I'm running through the other guys, like, just looking at the lineup in general, when you have Glaber, Rob Brantley, Greg Allen, Estevan Floreal, and then to cap it off, Tyler Wade out at third base. Oh, yeah. How many starts has Tyler Wade had at third base before? Because I genuinely don't remember him ever playing left side of the infield. Uh, he's played shortstop a couple of times. Uh, uh, in terms of third base, he's played maybe five games this year. But he's played. He's made a start at every position except for first base and catcher, and pitcher. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I can. You can agree, though. You really, if it's not a DJ off day, you really don't want to see him over there, right? Uh, I mean, look, he's played five games at every position. Like, he started five games at every single one of those spots, like second, third, short, and then all the outfield spots. It's just like, look, like, I, like I'm just going to assume that he's pretty versatile. He still has a negative war. So, like, I mean, whatever that means, especially uh, defensively, 50 OPS plus isn't great. I guess it's fine at third base. I mean, he's fast at least, but – yeah, um, yeah. Either, I, either I guess, way. guess my point was was that Aaron Nola absolutely tore tore like an actual good good Yankees team apart, and now he comes and has to face this team, which is just actually a bunch of glorified AAA players after like the number four player in the lineup, and we're able to get a bunch of hits and runs off them. It's just surprising to me. I will also say if Greg Allen doesn't make the roster out after this, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't even know how, how to react, frankly, because in my head, is that even possible? Well, like, if, he, if, he, fair, if he continues to perform, can you keep him justify keeping him up and saving this option year of Clint Frazier's? Well, to be fair, we, we also called up Hoy Park. A couple of days ago. So now Hoy Park had been absolutely raking at AAA the whole year. Yankees absolutely refused to call him up. Now when they're forced to call him up, they do. And then they don't play the guy. I mean, 
Got one plate appearances here. Literally just one plate appearances. They they are doing everything to make sure that this guy does not play. They refuse to call him up. They refuse to play him. So look at if they're gonna play Greg Allen over him, then clearly that guy's gonna be going down first. Uh so uh yeah, Greg Allen's certainly gonna play Estevan Floriel. Uh, they were hesitant to call him up, too, because Boone just clearly doesn't think that he's ready. I mean, that's a quote by him that he made prior to the game today. Uh, so I would say that Greg Allen is safe for now. Safe. Um, no, honestly, the moral of my, my story is whether you want to call it philosophy or whether you want to call it lack of philosophy, everything from execution to even just the calls seem to be so much bolder and it fits this team like the team looks so much better it's night and day hopefully this is a wake-up call to the team and the organization to try to keep some of this momentum going afterwards because this group actually could be successful once you get the rest of the guys that you actually want in here you get the judge you get um Urshela, you get Voigt back, you get Higashioka back, you get the rest of this real team back, and maybe try to implement some of these more bold strategies where they're trying to really create offense. Because that's what I think, honestly. It feels more of a, we don't necessarily trust these guys. Like, we're not, we know that we don't have a squad full of bona fide major leaguers here. So we're going to make offense any way we can, has been has seemed to me be the outlook. If they can keep some of that going the rest of the year with actual major league squad, then things could be very good. I just can't believe that we were able to score runs tonight with that lineup. It's just, it's just, you've done, you've done it the last three nights. I mean, this is the, this is certainly the best, uh, best result of them all. But like, again, it, it, it very well may work with, with this group, if you continue the way playing the way you do, yeah, uh, absolutely. I am next. I have Twins White Sox after our clearly lo- longest uh, segment of the night by a mile. Um, Twins White Sox scoring starts in the bottom of the first as the White Sox score two, one on a Jose Abreu RBI double, and then one scoring him with. It'll be Brian Goodwin with a single. Max Kepler homers in the top of the second to make this a 2-1 ball game before Yoan Mankata hits a two-run piece. And Drelton Simmons' RBI double in the top of the fifth starts off a run, including a Josh Donaldson homer and a Jorge Polanco homer that see Minnesota take a 5-4 lead. Luckily for Chicago, they were able to get not one, not two, not three, not four, but five runs in the bottom of the eighth, including a home run by Jose Abreu to help them win this game nine to five. Give the win to Burr out of the Chicago White Sox bullpen. That is Ryan Burr. He'll also get the blown save in this situation, allowing two earned runs. Dallas Keuchel got the start. Five innings, four hits, two earned with six strikeouts. The loss will go to Jorge Alcala. He also gets a blown save in addition to this loss. And Over gets the start for Minnesota, pitching five innings, allowing five hits, four runs, but only three earned with four strikeouts. All right, the Mets and the Reds. Pete Alonzo homers in the top of the first, his 19th of the year, to give the Mets a 1-0 lead. In the bottom of the inning, Jonathan India homers to make it 1-1. In the third, Joey Votto homers, Aristides Aquino homers, and it's 3-1 Cincinnati. Pete Alonso uh, in the seventh is able to reach on an error by Joey Votto. uh, And it's able to score a run and it pulls the lead within one. Tyler Stevenson is able to hit into a sacrifice fly that 
turns out into a double play, but a run does score off of it to make it four to two. Cincy, they go on to win this one four to three as a late double is unable to uh, pull the Mets anywhere closer. The window, Wade Miley, six and a third, one earned run, eight Ks. The season ERA now to 2.72. The loss goes to Steven Nagosik. Uh, three innings, two earned runs, five Ks for him, and Amir Garrett with his seventh save on the season. And then I also have the Padres and the Braves. Not a lot going here. Guillermo Heredia singles in the second to make it one nothing Atlanta. Tommy Pham sacrifice fly in the fourth to tie the game at one. And then in the bottom of the sixth, Freddie Freeman comes through with a solo piece, makes it two to one Atlanta, and they hold on to win by that score. The win to Tuki Toussaint, six and two thirds, one earned run, five Ks for him. The loss to you Darvish, five and two thirds, two earned runs, three Ks. And Will Smith picks up his 19th save on the season. Right, the final game of the night, and once again, a segue into our trade of the day will be this Cleveland-Houston game. And Houston, of course, starts with a lot of runs to start this game. Jose Altuve goes yard not once but twice for the first two runs of this game. Then in the bottom of the fifth, the Astros are able to score six runs, including a Kyle Tucker home run that was worth two and then in the bottom of the sixth Kyle Tucker hits another RBI makes it up to a nine and nothing lead for the Astros in the top of the eighth Ahmed Rosario hits an RBI double and then Cesar Hernandez hits an RBI double this cuts the deficit to six but that's as far as it will get as the Astros win this one nine to three give the win to Luis Garcia Six innings, three hits of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Tristan McKenzie. Four innings, eight hits, five earned with three strikeouts. Um, unless you have any comments on that game, that about brings us to our trade scenario of the day, which will be Starling Marte. And what if he went to the Astros' Brandon why do you like this? Why don't you like this? And what do you think about the realisticness of this deal? Uh, I think that this is the most realistic deal that we've talked about so far. Uh, I absolutely love uh, the idea, the prospect of, of Starling Marte going to Houston. Sure, right now they – they already have uh, three pretty solid outfielders. They have a Michael Brantley, who's been hitting the ball exceptionally well this year. They have Kyle Tucker, who is only 24 years old and is also hitting extremely well, but projects to be one of the better outfielders in the league uh, in a couple of seasons. Miles Straw is currently their center fielder. He's probably their weakest link just an OPS plus or just an OPS uh, over 600 which is not great uh, but he's still a young player and they have already gotten enough offense out of uh, out of their other guys where they don't really need to be stacked uh, there at center field however the Astros in recent days have been interested in trading for Starling Marte and it makes complete sense. Look, why not shore up that last spot in your starting lineup where you're not fully confident? Like not, and this is nothing against Miles straw because if you move him to the bench, you can move a guy like, like uh, whether it's Robel Garcia or Ch Chaz, McCormick, who's It'll also probably be Garcia or Stubbs. I don't think you have a real reason to keep a yeah. outfield a, a catcher, a third catcher on the roster. 
even right. if he does play so, outfield. So even if you move a guy like like a Garrett Stubbs down, having Starling Marte there is just like why not have an elite center fielder who has been hitting the ball exceptionally well this year, but also can play a very solid, solid defense as well. And they have the pieces to go out and do it. I mean, whether you would want to give up one of their uh, top prospects, I mean, they have two guys that are in the top 110 and then a couple of guys that are in on the fringe fringe level of that. Sure, we talked about a yesterday that we didn't think it would take a lot to get a Kyle Gibson. Starling Marte, while he has been a good player, uh, I believe he got he got caught for taking uh, PEDs, correct, when he was on the Pirates. Uh, I that sounds right. So. Some people think, you know, some of those, some of those numbers. Um, yeah. So he was suspended for the 2017 season or for part of that season, but I don't know. I think that this is a pretty, pretty reasonable uh, trade that could be done. Whether you use some to some of the top prospects, they also have a couple of guys who are, who have just emerged into the bigs as pitchers. And honestly, uh, there's going to be too many pitchers on this roster next year when all these guys come back from injury and some of these other uh, pitching prospects come up. I mean, you figure you have to get Jose or Justin Verlander back from injury. They signed Pedro Baez this offseason. Kent Emanuel pitched really well for them this year as well. So it would make sense to maybe trade a couple of those triple a fringe pitchers and a, and a few prospects to try to get it, to try to get Starling Marte and kind of get this last, uh, you know, piece to this, uh, team. I'm going to go ahead and be the Debbie downer here after I do mention again, the reason I like this is again, because why not Miles straw, the vast majority of his value comes from his speed and his speed on the bases as well. He can make a significant contribution to your team, even if he isn't in the lineup proper. As a pinch runner, he can still do a ton to help the, this team out. So he's certainly not going to be significantly hurt by bringing this guy in. However, here is the reason that this I, I, I'm not optimistic that this happens. Again, this is a clear fit. They obviously want him. However, if this doesn't happen in the next couple of days, I think that this deal will not end up going through. And that is the fact that this guy is on his way out the door. Like, this, this is a guy who does not currently have any contract settled after this year. He will be a free agent this winter. And we've already heard them talking about the fact that they're going to let guys like Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke go. They're veteran pitchers. Granted, they have a lot of pitching right now that they can easily spare this. But that, that sentiment still holds true. This isn't a team, especially when you have to go out and get Carlos Correa back. This isn't a team that has a ton of money to throw around and still be in a competitive standpoint without the um, luxury tax becoming ridiculous for them in a year or two. So I'm not hundred percent sure that they will be keen on bringing him back after this year. And if they're not bringing him back after this year, it would be highly suspect to want to give up too much for a rental that isn't necessary. Like as, as great as this would be, as much of a no-brainer it is for them to go out and just get this last piece, they are going to be a World Series contender without a center fielder. Like, Miles Straw is still going to be plenty fine for them to compete. This just would be that little extra push. And they're not going to spend a, a ridiculous amount for that extra push if they know they're going to have to let him walk at the end of the year. And with that being said also, I'm sure there are a lot of other teams that are going to be willing to pay more for him than the Astros will under those logic, that logic. 
let's say the Yankees decided, okay, you know what? Maybe this guy could be a good fit for this team for a couple more years. Maybe, maybe we'll go at this thinking, all right, let's go ahead and get him a two, three year extension. As soon as he walks into town, that will make this contribution worth it. That will make the cost worth it. And they'll be more apt to outbid Houston who has a lot more to lose for a lot less to gain. Yeah. Uh, well, I do agree with you on the fact that uh, it would be kind of not very necessary for them to trade for Starling Marte. Uh, I think the Astros are going to go all in this offseason. I mean, they really don't have a reason not to. They went under the luxury tax this year, so that kind of reset any sort of uh, luxury tax that they would – or any sort of tax penalty that they would incur if they go over next year. And like you said, they get Zach Ranky off their books, which is $35 million. Not, I'm assuming they're not going to bring him back. Justin Verlander comes off their books, which is $33 million. Uh, I would have to assume at some point that they're going to consider talks with him over Zach Granke. It just yes. makes sense. Okay, so... Real, realistically, let's just call it $33 million or whatever the Zach Granke contract is because I'm willing to bet that Verlander will be making somewhere around that high teens to 20 area and Correa is going to get into the mid thirties. Okay. But still, so, I mean, so that, so that ends up a wash with Verlander and, and Correa. Yeah. But I mean, they're already tw- 20 million underneath the tax right now. So you take away 35 from Granky. Okay. So now you're 50 million under the tax. Even if you have Carlos Correa at a low, low, a high 20, low 30 mark, which he could be at, and even if you peg Verlander in the mid 20s, you're still not even over the tax. I mean, they like in terms of, in terms of spending money. I mean, they can really just go for it. I mean, getting the Zach Granke deal off their books, they they can. They could re-sign Justin Verlander and Carlos Correa and still possibly be under the tax. Like, that is an absolute possibility for 2022. So It is, but I think the other thing you have to consider before we start to wind down here is future planning. The fact that they're trading for, or potentially trading for Starling Marte is not an indictment on the fact that they've given up on Miles Straw. Honestly, I, I would think it would be kind of foolish for them to give up on him in the second year when they talked so highly of him last year. And really, the only thing we're not seeing here is power, which you weren't expecting for, from him anyways. So if they want him to be a long-term significant tri- contributor and starter, are they going to want to bring Starling Marte back on a multi-year extension either? So... Either way, I think there's there's more there's more than just the money pointing in the direction of this being a one year rental. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, uh, prior to wrapping this up, I wanted to bring up one last thing separate from this. Uh, congrats to the U.S. women's softball team. They picked mm-hmm. up their first victory over in Tokyo in the Olympics in the group stage of the uh, softball tournament. So yeah, congrats to them, a 2-0 victory over Italy. Can we pull that box score up? Yeah, uh, I believe that you can. Uh, and I, that game actually just came, just ended not, not a very long ago, believe it or not. Uh, playing in Tokyo, me and LJ will actually might be up to see a couple of games uh, here and there. Our, pretty much the entire Olympics uh, with our, with the way that our show is. Uh, were, you, were you able to pull up a box score? Um, I'm working on it. But the USA baseball team, of course, will be in action 
over there as well, which uh, will be very fun to keep track of, uh, of course, as they won, they, yeah, they won the qualifying tournament to get in, right? Or what, what were they playing in uh, earlier? Uh, Baseball America's qualifier. Yeah, they right. won that. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't have a box score, but I do have the Bleacher Report article. I can right. read aloud. Yeah. Actually, no, it's a lot of tweets. Never mind. We will find a better system for this for next game. Still, congrats to yes. the ladies. Very, very nice job to start off these Olympics. We have Which, a lot of other baseball that we're probably going to want to cover intermittently within this next couple months. So we'll get a better system for when to do that. Yeah, hopefully the, these Olympics go off and we can actually uh, root for Team USA. But I think that that is going to wrap up today's show. Thank you for listening. Be sure to play our trivia game on our Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Check us out on other social medias, Instagram, TikTok, also at MLB Daily Pod. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And we will be back uh, tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 